0: Hey, welcome to Access. John here. Do you believe that God is good all the time, that all the time God is good? If so, you should know that countless people have tripped and stumbled about the implications of this belief. Many people face the decision to accept this teaching or to walk away. And so the question is when confronted with what we believe about God and the God the Bible actually presents, which way will we go? We'll address all these questions and more in today's study, so turn in your Bibles to John chapter 9, verses 1-4, through 4, because this message is entitled, A Fork in the Road. Well, I usually begin with a question, and today is not going to be any different from that. However, you do not know the answer to this question, and I don't either. That's because this question is, how much of what we believe about God isn't biblical? I mean, how many things do we carry with us, this belief that we have, that God is a certain way, and it's not an accurate picture of God. Now, if we knew the answer to that, we would change those things, and the answer would always be zero. But I think we have to be open and honest with ourselves when we consider that there might be some things that we believe about God that simply aren't true. There are some things that we believe about God that the Bible presents a different case for. Um, and so it really just brings in this point about revealed truth is that God gives us what we can handle uh, as far as he is uh, concerned. Um, he will tell us things about himself, and he challenges our beliefs. In fact, God is constantly challenging our beliefs about him. Whenever we read Scripture, there's constantly things that we're confronted with, but some things are difficult to accept. Um, they're ugly truths. Uh, we, we have great difficulty accepting them, and, and you know if, it, if we didn't, then it would be an ugly truth. An ugly truth is something that um, we don't want to accept, whether it's true or not. For example, um, you probably heard this before, but uh, just because you're busy does not mean that you're productive. That's an ugly truth. And, and it's ugly for people who are busy all the time. And you say, well, yeah, yeah, you're, you're really busy, but you're not getting much done. I mean, in, in the stuff that you are getting done, it's not really that beneficial. So just because you're busy doesn't mean that you're productive. Um, you know, one of those things about failure is that failure, repeated failure, is what leads to success. Now, that's contrary to what the world might tell you because we just see successful people around us. But we don't realize that the reason they're successful is because they tried over and over and over and over and over again and failed com- consistently and repeatedly in most cases. And that, that is what led to their success. That's an ugly truth. Uh, here's an ugly truth. Um, it's not the president's fault, it's not the, your parents' fault that your life isn't going the way that you wanted it to. You know, We like to bra- blame people, we like to blame the president, we like to blame our parents, but the truth is is that sometimes things are out of our control and it's not anybody's fault but our own. Um, here's another ugly truth. Everybody's going to die. Everybody is going to die eventually. Scripture tells us that his appointed man wants to die and then face the judgment. That um, an ugly truth is, is that the way that we lived our life, that there is going to be an accounting, and we don't like that. We don't want to dwell on that, and, and so we just we just forget about it, or we we might refuse to accept it. Well, believe it or not, not only there's some some ugly truths in the world that we might have difficulty accepting, there are some ugly truths about God, especially found in Scripture, that we have great difficulty accepting. Um, Now, you probably heard the statement, um, it's kind of cliche, but when you really think about it, how how intricate that this statement actually is. God is good all the time, and all the time, God is good. You know, we could look for ways to violate that. We could look for ways to violate uh, how God is not good all the time. And one of the difficult truths, one of the ugly truths that I've had to come to accept is that God is good all the time. He's just not my definition of good all the time. And so God is good um, in and of himself because he says he is good, and only God is good, as Jesus said. And so as we look at some examples and some things about God that we might not like, we don't get to decide whether God is good or not. God is good because he doesn't have to bow to what we say. Is good. So I mean, this this is another one of those truths um, that is difficult to accept. However, um, you may have mer- heard of a man named Charles Templeton. Charles Templeton was an evangelist in the 30s, 40s, and 50s. He was one of the best friends of um, uh, Billy uh, Billy Graham. He roomed with him. He went on crusades with Billy Graham. Um, but the the two evangelists split ways whenever Charles Templeton began to question the goodness of God. Um, Billy Graham said, I've accepted it on faith and, and on the Bible, and I'm not going to question it anymore. Well, Charles Templeton was being confronted with images and experiences where um, war was being... Uh, Promoted and and even shown, you know, for the first time in history, you know, war has always been the same. War has always um, been the result of lives lost, and and that's not even the worst part of war. The worst part of war is whenever one country dominates another and they come in and they abuse and mistreat those who were innocent it's not even soldiers who die it's it's the people who are left afterwards in the aftermath that is the that is the true tragedy and the the just the horrific nature of war and so Charles Templeton was beginning to see this on the silver screen and they taking pictures and and it was being promoted and even presented through different parts of the world where it normally wouldn't be. I mean, you, you don't have, you have war in a different country. You don't have war in your own living room. And so as he was being confronted with these images and these things uh, that he was seeing and experiencing, it really caused him to question whether God was actually good. And he even turned away from God, and, and he determined that God must not be good, and thus God must not exist. How could a loving God allow such evil to exist in the world? And so that has been one of those questions that um, that people really struggle with and and I don't fault them at all for struggling with this because that is a good question. How can a good and loving God, a God that is good all the time, allow such evil things to happen in the world? Um, it, it, it 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 bears some uh, ugly ugly warts that we might consider. Uh, God being unable of having that God would allow these things to happen. But he actually turns away from faith because he he has this crisis of belief. And um, I have resolved that there are just some ugly truths about God that we just do not want to accept. And that it's even easier to be an atheist than it is to accept some of these things that we, are, we refuse, refuse to believe about God. Now, I think um, this is certainly true whenever we start looking at, situations about children suffering I mean who in their right mind would argue that that anything is worse than a suffering child nobody wants to see a child suffer we especially don't want to see our own children suffer and and we might even question like why why does God allow children to suffer I can understand me God take me just don't let my children suffer why would God allow something like that to happen why would God allow for children to starve and and children to 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 be in agony and pain? And you know, our church is just filled with people who have had to watch their own children suffer, and and it really causes the question: Is God really good? You know, I uh, we lost our first child, but for the most part, uh, our three boys. Um, they were born healthy, and they've been healthy pretty much ever since. I mean, they had pink eye and, and, you know, like some situations where they were ill, but for the most part, they've been uh, pretty healthy. They're not disabled. I did grow up in a home where my little brother, my adopted brother Zoe, was mentally handicapped, and so I'm familiar with with watching someone struggle and suffer, especially the family that, that has to take care of them. Um, But, you know, I couldn't speak to a degree of having to watch a child suffer, one of my own flesh and blood, especially. And so I feel like that kind of limits my answer a little bit, but I also know that Scripture is filled with suffering, and that I don't have to answer those questions. And if answering that question, why would God allow uh, people to suffer in the world, was left up to me, I wouldn't have a sufficient answer, but Scripture does. God watches His children suffer. And the Bible is just full of suffering. And disability has its place in God's work. There is an important nature of disability in the work of man, in God's ministry to man. For example, men regularly think that we are self-sufficient. Men, in particular, are fixers. We see problems, we fix them. But how can a man fix disability? How can a man address disability in those that he cares about? Not just himself, but in those he loves the most. Disability has its place showing that we are not God, and that there is a God. We're not Him, and we can't fix everything. So there is something beautiful about something as terrible as disability, especially in the lives of those we care most about. We have, um, we regularly see things in Scripture, ugly truths that we just don't want to face. And I want to talk about one in particular. This, in my opinion, might be the worst uh, truth, the ugliest truth about God. But it is presented by Jesus, the one who knows him better because he is God. Uh, everybody else, and God, God knows him better. Jesus knows God, the Father, better than everybody else because he is God. So John chapter 9 verses 1 through 4 is what I want to study here. You're probably familiar with this passage. It's it's going to set off uh the story where Jesus heals a man that is blind from birth. Um, this is the story though. It says as as he went along, he saw a man blind from birth and his disciples asked him, "Rabbi, whose sin this man or his parents?" that he was born blind. I'm going to stop right there and just talk about this for just a second. In this passage, I think it's very important that we see that Jesus stopped and he looked at this man. I mean, that shows us the nature of God. It shows us the nature of Christ, that he would stop from wherever he was going, whatever he was doing, and he He just noticeably notices this man. I mean, this is a, a time whenever he stops and he just observes this man, maybe from a distance, maybe he's right up close. But his disciples see him seeing this man, and and you know that is just so. Here is another truth that's just so contrary to our human nature. When we see somebody who is who's disabled, or we see somebody that, that, that is suffering or in need, we see later on in Scripture in verse eight uh, that that uh, he was a man who regularly begged. So that's probably what he was doing. That Jesus stops and looks at this guy. We would walk on. We don't want to see that. We, we, we feel like people like that are a plague to the soci- our society. They're a plague on our lives. They require something from me to give up. And I just really don't have time for that. And so what we regularly do is we just overlook those situations. We turn up our radio. We roll up our windows. We lock our doors. We, just, we don't want to deal with people who need things from us, especially people that don't seem to contribute. But that's not what Jesus did. Jesus looks at this man and his disciples notice that Jesus is looking at this man, and and what's interesting here is that it's like they have this moment. Uh, it's not recording scripture, so you have to take some religious liberties here. But 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 understand, like they have this moment where they where they realize that God is standing there with them, and it's like an opportunity as Jesus is looking at this man who was born blind that they go, you know, I've always heard that. That somebody is 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 paying for their sin here. Like this is punishment. Like this, some God is delivering out punishment to this man or his parents or whoever, but you reap what you sow. And so I've just always wondered who's responsible for a situation like this. And so they say, you know what? God's right here. Why don't I ask him? Jesus. I, I've always wondered who is it that is guilty of sin? Is it this man or his parents that he would be born blind? Now, Jesus, you have to understand that Jesus is very patient with these disciples here. He doesn't be like, he's not like, guys, why don't y'all shut up? Just, just, just be quiet. Don't, don't, no, 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 You guys are way off, way off that you would, you would ask me that. Or he doesn't even say, you know, like, you know, be be quiet. You're right in front of this guy. I'd like to answer you, but we're going to wait till we get around the corner. No, Jesus, Jesus just lets them have it, but he does it in such a way that he's patient with them. Now, consider this scenario for just a second. Let, let Let's say in a modern family, a modern family walks into our church, and they come to my office and they say, you know, Pastor John, I really need you to pray for us. I really need you to pray for us because my son was born blind, and, and he just— let me tell you something. People don't treat us the same way. We can't do what other families can do. We can't go and enjoy dinner because we have to take our blind stumbling son around with us. We we can't we can't focus on our lives because we're having to take care of this disabled person. We're all everything's all about his blindness. Everything. We we can't even enjoy watching a movie because he can't see what's going on and so just to make sure that we don't leave him out, we don't get to enjoy those things. So if we read a book, we can't read it by ourselves. We to read it out loud. I mean, he's like, ever our whole life was put on on a hold because of his disability, and nobody asked us whether we wanted this or not. It's just something that we had, and and you think about this for just another uh, uh, just for a second. Like consider the relationship between the mom and uh, mom and dad and the child for just a second. Uh, we see later it's dysfunctional. I'll tell you how in just a second. But but the, the relationship couldn't have been a good one. I mean, because if they were consistently told that somebody sinned, somebody sinned here, there would be fingers and accusations being all over the place. Like, you know, it was you and you remember you did this? You remember you did that? I mean, consider the child that grew up. He likely had a destroyed relationship with his parents because he's like, you know what? You can blame it on me if you want, but I don't think a child can, can sin in the wound, can conceive sin in the wound. You, you know, it, it must have been your fault. What did you do? What did you do to ensure that I grew up this way? I demand an explanation. What did you do? That's what they're telling me. They're telling me it was your fault. Now consider this woman coming into into our church and saying, I really need you to pray for us on this because I'm just so full of stress and anxiety and frustration. I don't even know what to do anymore. I don't know if God's angry at me. I don't know know, know what to do. I don't want to know how to restore a relationship. I'm just so tired. Of experiencing this. I just want to experience life like a regular family would. Consider that and then consider me hearing them out and saying, Well, you know, it wouldn't be like this if you hadn't sinned. <laughs> I mean, just it just sounds so wrong, doesn't it? Yet that is what they consistently believed. So consider the anger and the rage and the frustration of having to deal with people and, and just not anger only at other people. Anger in the family this this is a constant reminder of, of our sin. We don't even remember what it is, but we're shamed and we're just treated we're humili- humiliated and publicly you know just just, just shamed and, and, and everybody we come in contact with seems to treat us like dirt because our child was born blind. We wanted wanted a happy experience. Whenever we found out we were pregnant, we were excited. But then when he got here, he's blind. What do you do with that? What do you do with that? That's one of those situations we try to overlook and walk past. But Jesus stopped and he looked at this man. And his disciples, they wanted an explanation. God, give me an explanation. I don't understand. And Jesus says something here that is very, very difficult for believers to accept. In fact, I know preachers and teachers that refuse to acknowledge what Jesus said in the context of the way he said it. You see, what what Jesus said was, he says, neither this man nor his parents sinned, but this happened so the work of God might be displayed in his life. People hate that, and they suggest that no 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 God God Jesus didn't mean that God caused this to happen. Jesus didn't mean that, that God allowed this to happen. Uh, Jesus meant that God found him this way and that God used his blindness uh, to to do his work. And and if that's where your train of thought is, is that that God didn't cause this to happen or God didn't open up His hands and and deliberately allow this man to be born sin, uh, born born blind. It, then i really want to just just talk about something that that i i i heard uh, john piper talk about on this he he said that that can't be the case for three reasons it cannot be the case that god simply found blindness uh, the reason one is because the 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 disciples demanded an explanation not demanded but they wanted one and in this passage it seems as if jesus is giving them what they're asking for so unless we understand the context that they want an explanation, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he'd be born blind? And unless we see Jesus as the one that's giving them an explanation, then it just doesn't make any sense. Now, I need an explanation, and, and I'm not going to give you I We'll talk about something else. Oh, God found him this way. It just doesn't make any sense. Second, he says that, that, that God is all-knowing that's what scripture promotes that's what we see in psalms that god is all knowing that he knit us in our in the wound and that that you know that that god knows when we sit and he knows when we rise he knows our thoughts from afar he knows what we need before we ask for it so either god knows everything or he doesn't either god is all powerful or he isn't and what do you believe you can't say that god is all knowing and then say well god simply found him this way Well, then God doesn't know everything, right? Are you really willing to admit that? Because consider the consequences. Well, God doesn't really know everything. God doesn't know everything. Why do you say that? Because it it gives us pain to believe that God would cause something like this to happen. And you say, well, God didn't cause it. Well, he allowed it or he permitted it. You know, whatever, you want to look at it. Whether you say that God, God didn't stop it. God had, was capable of stopping it, but he opened his hands and allowed it to happen. Well, in his opening of his hands, he would be causing it, right? That God would cause this to happen by allowing it. Whatever, you want to call it causing or allowing? I love what John Piper says. He says, you know, pretty much the purpose is the point. Whatever terms you use, it's because he does it for a purpose. So the purpose is unchanging. So it doesn't matter what terms you use, God had a reason for doing it. If you believe that God just simply found this man in this condition, then it it violates Scripture. It contradicts Scripture. For example, um, let me read for you Exodus chapter 4, verse 11. This is a a good passage of Scripture that would speak otherwise. Exodus chapter 4, verse 11, it says, The Lord said to him, talking to Moses, Who gave man his mouth? Who makes him deaf or mute? Who gives him sight or makes him blind? Is it not I, the Lord? You see, the point is, is that we have to accept that God caused this to happen because that's what Scripture teaches us. And so Jesus comes to him, he says, you know, neither this man nor his parents said, but this happened so that the work of God might be displayed in his life, that God has a purpose behind this. And he says, as long as it is day, we must do the work of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. That there, There's, there's going to be a shift in Jesus' ministry where he's no longer healing people anymore physically, that he is focusing on spiritual sin, the, the sin of the night, the, the work of the night. Night is coming when, when you cannot do your work. But we must do the work of him who sent me right now. But the point of this passage is, is that God displays his work through disability. God causes disability to happen. You know, people say, "Well, you know what? You can believe in God all you want. You know, you, you just need a crutch. You just need a crutch to get you through life." And I don't need a crutch to get me through life, so I just refuse to believe that God is there. I say, "No, no, no! no. I, I don't need a crutch. I don't need a crutch for, um, you know, for these things. I, I need an explanation. I need a purpose." You know, you say, "Well, you just need a crutch." But you know, have you watched a child suffer? Have you have you watched one of your own children suffer? who are sick and, and throwing up or, or or constantly disabled, someone who's blind from birth, how do you look at that and say, well, there's no reason that you're suffering for this. You can call that a crutch if you want, but I would like a purpose. And here's the truth about Scripture is that Jesus is saying that this man was born blind so that God's work might be displayed in his life, that God has a purpose for this. And then in this man's particularly... Jesus is going to come around and heal him. So, this man grew up at least, at least 18 years of age that he's able to go out on his own, or at least in our context. He spent years blind. And God allowed that to happen. God caused that to happen. Why? So that his work might be displayed in his life. You know, God has a purpose. Behind our suffering. And it's an ugly truth to accept that God might be using us for his glory. He might be using a disability that we might have, our children might have, our loved ones might have for purpose. And it's hard to accept. That's what caused Charles Templeton to walk away. We're faced with a fork in the road. Do we continue to believe these things about God do we continue to believe that God is good and have to accept that he just is not going to submit, surrender and submit to our definition of good, that God doesn't have to be what we want him to be, to be God? Or do we walk away and say, I don't, I'm don't, i not going to believe in you because I just refuse to acknowledge that you might be bigger of my, than my understanding of who you are and what you are? You know, in this particular study, this man gets healed, and that's awesome. But how many of us have prayed consecutively for healing and God has not healed us? It's like we ask, God, will you heal me? And God says, no. I'm reminded of a different time in Scripture where um, the Apostle Paul, he says, three times I prayed for God to remove the thorn from my flesh, and three times he tells me, no, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Now, you listen to a a testimony like that, and that's not really one that we want to hear. That's not an uplifting testimony where we can say, praise God, he healed him. I asked God to remove this from me, and he told me no. That's painful. Nobody wants to deal with that. Nobody wants to accept that, that God would tell us no, that he wouldn't heal us, that he wouldn't take away some temptation that we might have, that he wouldn't take away affliction from us, but that God has a purpose behind it. That shows us that there are greater things than physical healing. God has a greater purpose behind the things that happen to us and the lot that we're dealt in life than physical healing. So if we wonder, is it always going to be this way? On earth, maybe the answer is yes. Maybe it will always be that way, but we can understand that there is a greater testimony to tell, that there is a greater purpose behind that, and that God has greater works than physical healing. He could be using that to to, um, come through to us that, that He is God and that we are not. You ever notice how when we don't have problems, we tend to walk away from God? We love to praise Him in the good times, we have difficulty praising him in the bad times. And whenever we have bad times, we need him. And When we don't have bad times, we turn around and we walk away from him. God has works, greater works than complete physical healing. And then God can show us that he is good all the time. But not our definition, his definition. He reveals truth to us. You know what I've noticed about revealed truth, though, is that sometimes we, we are confronted with things that we don't like in Scripture. They're difficult for us to accept. But God, just like Jesus in the situation, he's patient with us. He's Guys, you got it all wrong. You got it all wrong. You have this, this belief about God that's just not right. Yes, people reap what they sow, but that doesn't mean in every case that it's a, a situation of uh, of you reap what you sow. Sometimes God just does these things because he wants his glory to be revealed. Sometimes we have God revealed truth to us, and we are very slow to accept it. And when we finally do, what do we turn around and do? We get impatient with people around us. We say, let me tell you what God revealed to me. Well, that's great. Well, why are you not accepting that? Well, because I don't believe that. Well, What's the matter with you, you heretic? God was patient with us, but we don't want to be patient with somebody else. That could be a greater work that God wants to reveal to us. There is excitement in the Word of God. There is excitement about learning who God is. And there's some things that we think that we know about God but simply aren't true. That kind of thing, that that keeps the, the Scripture relevant in our lives every single day. If you believed everything there was to know about God and, and, and everything that you believed was right, that you could stop reading the Bible. You will spend the rest of your life being corrected from Scripture, that God will reveal things to you through Scripture. And, and it will be revealed truth, and sometimes it's very difficult to accept, but once you accept it, it becomes a beautiful truth. That I can acknowledge this and God got me over this. Even though I didn't want to accept it, I've come to know that it's true and it's something that I have looked forward to and I cherish now. That I could cherish disability of all things. I mean, that, that's just something that only God can do. And so we face this fork in the road where we, where we, we, we just consider whether we will accept this. Do, do, I, do I allow God to reveal himself through Jesus and through Scripture? And is it going to be an ugly truth? Will I be willing to accept whoever God says that he is and let go of my preconceived notions of who I believe God is and who I want God to be? And will God show me who he actually is? And, and will I go that way or will I turn away from him? Will I walk away from the faith? you know Charles Templeton made that mistake. He walked away from from the faith because he he saw something that was difficult to accept, and because he couldn't face an ugly truth that God has a purpose behind something as terrible as war. He walked away, and I want to read a, a A little excerpt from uh, The Case for Faith. This is uh, written by Lee Strobel. Lee Strobel had an opportunity to interview this man as he was in his 80s. And he said he didn't get the the interview that he thought he was going to get. This is uh, the testimony of Charles Templeton, um, or or the interview of Charles Templeton. This is what he says. Lee Strobel wrote this. He says, and how do you assess this Jesus? He's asking Charles. It seemed like the next logical question, but I wasn't ready for the response it would evoke. Templeton's body, body language had softened. It was as if he suddenly felt relaxed and comfortable in talking about an old friend or a dear friend. His voice, which at times had displayed such a sharp and insistent edge, now took on a melancholy and reflective tone, his guard seemingly down. He spoke in an unhurried pace, almost nostalgically, carefully choosing his words as he talked about Jesus. He was, Templeton began, the greatest human being who has ever lived. He was a moral genius. His ethical sense was unique. He was the intrinsically wisest person I've ever encountered in my life or in my readings. His commitment was total, and it led to his own death, much to the detriment of the world. What could one say about him except that this was a a form of greatness? I was taken aback. You sound like you really care about him, I said. Well, yes. He's the most important thing in my life, came his reply. I, 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 he stuttered, searching for the right word. I know it might sound strange, but I have to say, I adore him. Everything good I know, everything decent I know, everything pure I know, I learned from Jesus. Yes. Yes. And tough. I mean, just look at Jesus. He castigated people. He was angry. People don't like to think of him that way, but they don't don't read the Bible. He had a righteous anger. He cared for the oppressed and the exploited. There's no question that he had the highest moral standard, the least duplicity, the greatest compassion of any human being in history. There have been many other wonderful people, but Jesus is Jesus. Uh, but no, he said slowly. He is the most. He stopped and started again. In my view, he declared, he's the most important human being who has ever existed. And that's when Templeton uttered the words that I never expected to hear from him. And if I'm to put it this way, he said his voice, as his voice began to crack, I, I miss him. With that, tears flooded his eyes, and he turned his head and he looked downward, raising his left hand to shield his face from me. His shoulders bobbed as he wept. Templeton fought to compose himself, and I can tell it wasn't like him to lose control in front of a stranger. He sighed deeply and wiped away a tear. After a few more awkward moments, he waved his hand dismissively. Finally, quietly but admittedly, he insisted, Enough of that. That's a true story about a man who turned away from God because he couldn't accept an ugly truth. And as he walked away, it's not like he ever found resolution, but that he was tormented because he couldn't accept a biblical picture of Christ. We have a very same fork in the road. What we choose to accept about God And I'm going to tell you, it doesn't matter what you believe about God, what is actually true. So can you swallow a difficult truth and trust God in faith, knowing that He has a plan, He has a purpose, He's he's all-powerful, He's all-knowing, He's in all places. Or whenever you're confronted by a teaching that Scripture teaches, that, that Jesus Himself taught, will you choose to walk away? My prayer is, is that you will let God speak for himself. Hey, thanks again for listening. We pray that God blessed you through this message and has given you a clear direction for your life. Please remember to download our church app by searching FBC Rungi in Google Play or iTunes. And remember to subscribe to our podcast so you never miss another message. If you have any questions about today's message, you can contact us via Facebook or Twitter or use our website. Until then, we hope that you share in our vision to help people take root, grow, and bear fruit. And if so, then let's get out there and get to work.